breathe deep. That smell of crisp leaves crunching quietly beneath dark cloven feet as ancient trees stretch and groan, rough, thick-barked branches high into a thick sky ablaze with the souls of the dead as they rise for one night to delight in the joys of the living. Yes, it is Halloween. Let your inner witches, ghouls, and werewolves fly fearlessly free, if, by some chance, you needed a reason. And join me tonight for some of my favorite tales of the extraordinarily odd, as told in my most haunting fashion. So, settle in close, cuddle up with an old quilt, grab your favorite concoction of choice, close your eyes, and let me lull you into the space between dreams, where reality and magic interweave, and the strange becomes real. Welcome, my friends and loves. I'm Rocket Fox. Join me as we embrace the Halloween strange. Tale 1. A Quiet Walk in a Strange Wood You took a walk in a quiet wood. Late October, Saturday. The air was warm and slightly thick. In the distance, you could hear the very faintest rustle of water as it foamed and frothed against its own restraints its white fingers reaching out onto the pale sands, desperately grasping like the bones of the drowned at anything solid, only to be sucked back into the voluminous black ocean. Your footsteps were quiet, your feet bare. The night began on a rented porch, with a glass of wine and a worn paperback book. The wine was cheap, but the view expensive, and as the moon rose its arc into the deepening indigo sky, you found yourself restless. It had been a minute since you enjoyed an evening walk, and no better time than the present to remedy that lack. You set your glass in the book down, marking your page, even though you'd read this one a thousand times before and could easily flip back to the spot with your eyes closed. You considered grabbing a pair of shoes, but it would just be a quick walk on the beach. You felt the sand, still wet from the rain earlier that afternoon, pressed between your toes with each quiet step you tread when something stopped you. Just a little further ahead, the beach rose into a small hill where a dark path led into an outcropping of trees. Before you realized what was happening, what drew you further in like a deep embrace. Your feet carried you soundlessly past the thick foliage, over high rising roots, and leaves 
like silk waxen hands clutching at your form as you wove past. The brilliant colors, so characteristic in their vivid hues, had dissipated into a cast of grays, dimly lit by the slowly cresting moon that hung heavily in a low sky, as the soft ground beneath your feet gave way to firmer earth. You heard something snap past your ear like a guitar string and turned with a start, your foot nearly catching on a slow snaking root like a coiled rope. You threw your arms up involuntarily and spun, loose plant tendrils like spiderweb strands winding around your fingers, your arms, as if pulling you up, a marionette dancer, wooden joints click-clacking and dead smile widening at the thought of rejoining the trees from which it came. But you tore yourself free. You pressed on. You didn't know where you were going, or why, but something compelled you as you made your way deeper and deeper into the dark of the woods where it grew thicker, heavier, warmer, oppressive. Something caught your arm quick, a slight prick as you brushed against an innocuous tree. You quickly stepped away, once, twice, then you felt something sharp send a shock of pain up your leg. You danced back once more, and something quick against your other foot as you tried to regain your balance. You instinctively reached behind to steady yourself on a nearby tree and gasped as your soft palm sank onto a tall, needle-lined thorn with a pop you could hear. You drew your arm back, tearing a gash across your hand and stumbling forward the ground momentarily forgotten about as you turned. The moon trickled pallid beams between stretched branches, casting an otherworldly glow over the tree before you. It stood like a jagged silver line drawn from the canopy to the ground and covered in deep, dark spots. No. As you squinted and looked closer, you could see that they were actually spikes. Not thorns, but long, clumsy spikes jutting out of every free inch of the plant's surface. Your eyes traced its form to the ground where the dirt was dark with moisture, and you noticed on the ground before you a small fruit. Intrigued, you bent down to inspect it, gingerly resting the back of your injured hand against your leg as you leaned in for a closer look. The fruit fit into your free hand and you lifted it slowly. It was smooth, with evenly spaced ridges, and reminded you of a tiny pumpkin. You considered how it would be perfect for a Halloween decoration, and brought it close to you as you prepared to stand. That's when you felt something. You felt the small fruit shift just a little. You almost didn't notice it at first, but it was enough to make you stop. Then again, just a slight shift as if it were trying to hatch or perhaps move of its own will. Just slight, just slight. Then, with a loud gunshot clap, something shook your body. Your fingers flew open and something stung your eye. 
Without thinking, your injured hand rose to your face, but as soon as the cut touched your eye, a searing burn pulled a cry from your throat. You pulled your hand away. Looking down, you felt sharp pains dotted across your entire body like invisible knives, and you could see small tears on your clothes where blood was beginning to soak the fabric. The eye you touched began to cloud. You couldn't focus. You tried to push yourself up. Your cut hand ached, and the fingers of your other felt bruised, maybe even sprained. And as you tried to rise, you suddenly heard another bang from your right. Then, as you turned to look, you felt a sharp pain stab into your side. You needed to get out of there. Now. You made it to your feet, then heard another sudden bang from somewhere behind you, and a shooting pain pierced your shoulder, the back of your left knee. You turned to find a way you came, and, and stumbled toward it, and another bang from the darkness. You tried to veer away, but you couldn't tell where it was coming from, and you couldn't see through one eye. Whatever it was, it hit you, and it hit hard. It stabbed through your stomach in several places, knocking you off your feet once more. Bang! You scrambled back and tried to avoid the onslaught from the descending blackness. Bang! Bang! Then, silence. A quiet breeze shuffled through the poison leaves of the sandbox trees, high above where you lie, unmoving on the forest floor. Your eye hazily drifted back and forth, looking for anything as your sight grew dimmer. The bullantine seeds lodged deep into your body, where soon their hair-like tendrils would embed and entwine into your flesh as you sank further into the damp earth. Tale 2. To Save the Living We'd done it. They they said it couldn't be, but we'd done it. I stared at the vacant eyes of the young baboon staring back at me. Yellow, glassy, unblinking. It all began with the sheep, you see. And for good cause, you understand, it's for a very good reason. We were able to bring the hearts back to life. Back to life. Let it sink in. By the power of the living, the soul extending like a current of water pouring from a chipped dam. The only next logical step was something more human. I looked away. Something more human. Ten juvenile baboons, unnamed officially, Five as donors, we needed dead hearts, after all. We made them as comfortable as we could. They were first anesthetized, uh, pre-treated with methylprednisolone, 50% dextrose, nifedipine, and prostaglandin E1 before being paralyzed and extubated. They were laid out, pulseless at seven, give or take a minute, and sent electronically into cardiac standstill in 9 to 18 we were already gloved up, masked, in scrubs, our tools in our hands. We began to extract the still hearts from the bodies. We had done everything to assure that they would mimic those of patients dying a compassionate death while not being fully brain dead. We'd all seen it, had 
our own experiences? Death. The severed story of good women and men, and for what? An inventor on the cusp of something great that could not only benefit humanity, but ease the suffering of other species. The planet. Perhaps unite us under a common good to turn things around from what they'd become. What about the mother and father who worked so hard to provide everything for everyone else until their own heart just gave out? What about the children who never even had a chance? We transplanted the hearts, one by one, into the five waiting baboons, laid out, still peaceful. It went smoothly. No hiccups, no complications during surgery. On the first day, one of the baboons began to stagger, seemed dizzy, collapsed, ultimately passed after having a stroke. But the others, uh, the four remaining, my eyes drifted across the room to where the final lie on the pristine steel medical table. The next died from dehydration, getting thinner and thinner over the course of nine days. The others, though, those were from rejection of the hearts, and that was to be expected. After all, we worked with what we had. We couldn't exactly be selective about organ compatibility when doing experiments such as this. All great strides, especially in medical science, come with a process not everyone agrees with, and every single one of our animals received humane care in accordance with the Principles of Laboratory Animal Care, uh, prepared by the Institute of Laboratory Animal Resources and published by the National Institute of Health, publication number 8623, revised in 1985. And as of May 1994, there were 2,900 people waiting for a heart transplant. Uh, consider for a moment how many lives could be changed if we could use donated hearts from those who are clinically dead to help save the lives of the living. <sighs> I looked again at the young baboon's pale eyes and sick complexion. He would have been a teenager. Imagine how many lives we could save. Story 3 a song of fear. The modulation that you hear, that pulls from in you unseen fear, that raises hair and grits your teeth to where you find you cannot speak. The sound rises up from deep your throat, a quality and tone of note that tickles deeper than your ear and into your brain to spark that fear. For when we speak, our voice is staying between four to five hertz when modulating. But when that scream of terror shrills, from 30 to 150 hertz, the variance spills. Like electricity across your skull's insides to activate your amygdala when fear resides. A trait called roughness is what they say, but a song of fear is what it shall remain.
for a couple quick notes. In our first story, the tree of horrors is indeed the sandbox tree and is very, very real and very, very dangerous. In our second story, the experiment is a true one that took place in the early 1990s. And while we can transplant hearts from brain-dead donors, there is a much larger need now than ever before, with currently 4,000 people on the heart transplant waiting list. For more information, visit DonateLife.net. For our last story slash poem, well, I think it really screams for itself. Thank you so much for joining me through the Fantastically Strange, especially on this Halloween. I hope that you've enjoyed our journey. Come visit for a spell at fantasticallystrange.com and on Instagram at fantasticallystrange and even Twitter at fantasticoddpod. If you've enjoyed the show so far, please let me know. Uh, maybe even a follow, share, or review. I write, research, edit, and do all of the things myself, and am so honored to be able to bring you stories about the topics I am passionate about, and your ear means the world to me. Especially when I do something a little more storytelling and creative. And if you do perhaps feel the urge to throw a little support my way, I wouldn't say no to you visiting patreon.com slash rocketfox, where you can get early access to podcast episodes, bonus content, such as unreleased material and outtakes, as well as goodies from my other work as well. If you do have any topics you'd like to see, any questions, comments, or just to say hi, email me at fantasticallystrange at rocketfox.com. All sources, music, and sound effects are linked and credited in the show info. The amazing logo illustration is by Constance Hermit, and the killer intro song, Hey Dorothy, is by Cruise Machine. Thanks again, and I can't wait to see you next time. Rainbow's